What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding B&G Podcast, episode 78. So I guess you can call this our Morgan Moses episode. Let me go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Guys, I know we've been going for a hiatus. I know we've been going for a while. I know we've been going for over a month, and that is unacceptable. But to be completely transparent with you guys, as I like doing with my fans and things like that, um, your boy ain't been the healthiest. Your boy has not been the healthiest. Your boy has faced a number of health ailments um, that's kind of just slowed me down, um, kind of made me, you know, think, kind of just slow me down, you know, because um, without my health, I can't do this. And health is wealth. And, you know, you got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And health is, you know, one of the highest priorities in my life, man. So, um, yeah, um, guys, health is wealth. So make sure you stay on the top of your health and everything. But guess what? We're back. We're back to take over our throne, you know, take over our crown as the number one content hub for everything Washington Commanders. So, as for every YouTube video, we gotta get it, we gotta get this, we gotta get this traction back. Be sure to comment, be sure to like, be sure to subscribe. Um, we gotta get this traction back because guess what? I got a lot of content coming for you because, like I told you at the at the end of last episode, and like I've told you many times before, the off season is the exciting time for the Washington Commanders. Um, this is our this is our championship time. This is our playoffs, the off season, and to you know go along with that, um, we've during our hiatus, excuse me, there have been a number of things um, that have, you know, kept the Washington Commanders in the news. We've hired offensive coordinator, coordinator Eric Bieniemy, um, and he'll also be serving as an assistant head coach. Um, to, is the sale happening? To sell or to not to sell? We released Carson Wentz, even though that was expected with his sorry ass. Um, and, you know, it's just been a lot of news, you know, owner Dan Snyder. Is he, is he, is he, is he, Freezing out Jeff Bezos to buy the team. He's using the team's personal revenue as his, you know, personal piggy bank fund and everything like that. Um, so, like I've told you guys before, drama seems to never escape the Washington Commanders. Um, but we're back. Um, we have a lot of content to push out um, to give you a timestamp as I do for every episode. It's about 11 p.m. on Sunday, March the 5th. The Combine actually just wrapped up and we have an exciting episode for you today. So the thing for today's episode is we're going to go over our five favorite prospects for Washington at the 16th pick in the first round um, coming off of the combine. So the post-combine, five favorite prospects for Washington at 16. I'm not going to keep you guys long. Um, this is the start of some fire content that we're going to be putting out for the offseason. So be sure to be tapped into the page. Um, and we're going to go decrescendo style. So I'm going to go with my fifth favorite prospect for Washington at 16, fourth, and so on and so on. Um, but to start at number five, we have safety slot defender Brian Branch from the University of Alabama. Brian stands about six feet, 190 pounds. And I know I've, 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 you know, attacked guys that have used the combine as a prisoner of the moment and things like that. I'm a big film over everything guy. Um, whatever you put on tape overrides, whatever you do in these athletic testing numbers, um, these all-star games and everything that you do in draft season, you know, whatever you do on film matters to me the most. Film reigns hell over everything. Um, but I, I'll be I'll be a liar. I'll be I'll be remiss to say that I'm not gonna lie. The four five eight that Brian Branch ran at the combine did scare me off a little bit. And let me tell you my reason is why. Um, one of my biggest issues is and one of the reasons why Brian Branch is only five on my list. Um, and not higher is because Ryan Branch a week ago he wasn't even on this list. 
Um, and then he started to, you know, creep up this list, creep up my rankings. Um, once the news that we released, Bobby McCain came out last Monday, I believe. Um, but let me tell you one of the reasons that Brian, Brian Branch wasn't even on my radar to begin with. It's the same reason why I was kind of praising the move of us releasing Bobby McCain. And this is why. Guys, the Commanders really don't have a true nickel corner on their roster. You know, Kendall Fuller tried to serve as that as the first couple of games this this um, year, but, you know, his lateral quickness is shot. He simply can't do it anymore. Um, he's best served as a boundary corner no matter how elite he was as a slot corner um, early, in his, early in his career. Because I'll be remiss to not mention that. He was elite as, you know, a slot corner early um, in his career. Um, I think that 2017 season, he ranked as like the number one slot corner in the NFL. He does not have that lateral quickness anymore. And I think a lot of the casual NFL fans, what they what they fail to realize is because, you know, they're so typical. They're so used to the big names playing these X and Z receivers on the boundaries and things like that. Is that the slot corner is oftentimes harder to cover some of these um how did it cover um, some this the the slot corner um, the slot receiver excuse me then some of these big names that just play solely on the boundary and things like that simply because you have so much more space to cover simply because you have so much more space to cover boundary corners and with wide receivers playing on the boundary they can use the sideline as a third defender when you want to slot. You got to be able to check the guy going left, the guy going right, the guy going behind you, the guy going up top, the guy running an intermediate route across your face. You just have to worry about so much spatial awareness that you have to have, you have to be a special, special type athlete to play that nickel defender slot corner role in the NFL. And it's essential in today's NFL. In 2023, with so much 11 personnel that these offenses are running, it's essential that you have a, a slot corner. And what you know we've been doing is putting a Band-Aid on that position and putting a lot of safeties there and calling it a big nickel. Now, my issue with that is that the simply just based off personnel, that cuts off half of what you can do because you're not going to have these safeties playing man coverage. Now, I know that, you know, Jack Del Rio and just us as the commanders, we're a zone-heavy team. We run a lot of quarters. We run a lot of cover three and things such as that, cover six and such as that. But when your personnel limits you to not even try to run man and things like that, you become still, you become um, accustomed to, and teams start getting used to it. That's why, you know, when the pass rush wasn't getting there, quarterbacks were able to pick us apart and things like that because they knew that we weren't playing man. Simply because we didn't have the personnel to play it. I love Cam Curl to death, but when he was playing in that big nickel, and he's probably our best man cover cover safety. But you're not going to put these guys, and you're especially not going to put Bobby McCain um, along the likes of like Devontae Smith and Ceedee Lamb, guys who operate out of the slot more often than they don't. Like you're not going to do that with Bobby McCain, and that's one of the reasons why you know I didn't really. Didn't really, you know, wasn't too high on having Brian Branch there because he's a hybrid defender. I feel like we got enough of those right now. And, you know, is he a safety? Is he a slot defender? And that 4-5-8 kind of scared me off. I'm not even going to lie to you. Because you're not going to be playing a lot of mad coverage in the NFL, checking a lot of these slot receivers running a 4-5-8. I'm sorry. It just is what it is. So, I mean, that goes back. If we're, if we're bringing in Brian Branch as a Bobby McCain replacement, that goes back to him being such as like, you know, us, our personnel, you know, cutting off half of the things we can do versatility-wise. We're going straight zone coverage for another year. 
If you look back at some of the games when the pass rush just wasn't getting there, and some of the games when they were, I can remember the pass rush getting there a lot against the Minnesota Vikings, but Kirk Cousins was still able to pick us apart simply because he knew we were in a zone. He just had to figure out what type of zone we were in. And I, and I just need I, – I'm hoping for a true slot corner. So while I'm big on Brian Branch as a player, um, I'm, not, I'm not huge on his fit for the commanders. He's a high IQ player. He does not miss tackles. He does not miss tackles at all. Um, he kind of reminds me of, you know, Cal Hamilton last year as far as, you know, having, you know, limited athletic upside. But the biggest difference is that Cal Hamilton was 6'4", and Cal Hamilton was an even more dynamic player at the college level. Those four to five inches make a difference. Excuse me. Pause. So Brian Branch, while he's still on my radar, he's kind of kind of fell back down. He was creeping towards the top top three after the Bobby McCain news about his release and things like that. But he's kind of he's kind of simmered back down. So he's right now locked in at number five on our prospects that we would like for the Washington Commanders to select at number sixteen. So moving on up, number four is Joey Porter Jr., cornerback from Penn State. So, yes, we have another DB um, on, on, you know, our list and things like that because I think that's probably the biggest need for Washington um, is cornerback or outside of the next position that we're going to touch into. Don't want don't to spoil the lead just yet. But cornerback uh, Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State, he's 6'2", two-thirds. He's almost 6'3", guys. He has 34-inch arms. Let me repeat that. He has 34-inch arms. He has arms the size of, you know, 6'6 offensive tackles and things like that. He shockingly ran a 4'4'6", and he's 194 pounds. And the reason why I say he shockingly ran a 4'4'6 is that he doesn't look that fast on tape. And if you if you listen to that name, Joey Porter Jr., and it kind of rings a bell, yes, he is the son of NFL legend, former Pittsburgh Steeler, Joey Porter. So you know that the pedigree is there. You know that the pedigree is there, and I'm a big Joey Porter Jr. fan. Um, he is dominant at the line of scrimmage. He's dominant at the line of scrimmage. And and to be honest, that's why I think some of the times that, you know, even me, I thought that he wasn't as fast as the 40 time that he ran because a lot of the times he's eliminating his opponent at the line of scrimmage. He doesn't even need to run. He doesn't even need to turn and run and showcase some of the speed that he has and things like that because a 4.46 at 6.3, almost 195 pounds, is nothing to slot that. Nothing to slot that. He's has, he has similar... Measurables the Richard Sherman. I think he has even longer arms. And he ran almost a tenth of a, a second faster 40. I think Richard Sherman almost ran like a 4.6. It was like a 4.56. And that 34-inch wingspan, that 34-inch arm lift is what you look for in big corners. Especially, especially if you're going to play a zone-heavy scheme like we do over here with the Washington Commanders. I remember reading articles back in the day, Scott McLuhan and John Schneider and things like that, when they were talking about the type of cornerbacks that they were looking to fit that, you know, cover three, Legion of Booth and Seattle scheme and things like that. And I remember them vividly saying it was like 33, 34-inch arm lengths is ideal. Well, guess what? Joey Porter Jr. fits that build if that's what you're looking for. And if you team him up with a guy like Benjamin St. Juice, I, I do have questions about which one of them guys is going to be able to turn and run with some of these elite deep threats in the NFL. But if 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 St. Juice can get better with his press bell game, because I think that Joey Porter Jr. is already elite in that aspect, and they can hold these dudes up at the line and let that pass rush get there, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. 
If they can just hold these guys up at the line of scrimmage for, for two seconds and let the likes of Deron Payne, John Allen, Montez Sweat, and Blonde Clowney Chase Young get to the quarterback, oh, it might be it, we might be on to something cooking with the Washington Commanders, man. As I mentioned, he's dominant at the line of scrimmage. He's not as scheme versatile as some of the other corners. He's not as scheme versatile as like a Devin Witherspoon and another guy that we'll be naming on our list a little later. Uh, I think that he's 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 going to be a heavy heavy zone type of corner. Uh, he's good in press braille. He's good in press uh, press bell. Excuse me. He's good in press man. Um, he has, he's a little handsy. Um, and he didn't have a lot of interceptions, but that's simply because he's so dominant at the line of scrimmage. Quarterbacks simply don't look his way after their first read. If their first read is eliminated by Joey Porter Jr. at the line of scrimmage, of course I'm not going to throw that ball. So he doesn't have the ball skill production. He doesn't have the interception numbers and things like that um, that really pop out for, you know, top, top 10 to top, top five cornerbacks. And this is one of the reasons why I think he might be available for Washington at 16, but for a team that wins a lot of zone and things like that, Joey Porter Jr. is more than an ideal fit at number four on our list. Moving on to number three. This is where we get to the big uglies. Everybody, if you watched the Washington Commanders game last year, no matter what game you saw, you know that we need a wholesale change in the offensive line unit. And a guy like the guy that I'm going to name right now it will be a, will be a day one starter. Will be a day one starter, and he's only number three in our list. That's how bad the Washington offensive line was. We need at least three new linemen, in my opinion. I think that Trace Rulier is gone with his injuries and things like that. He might retire. Trey Turner is fucking cooked. I told y'all in in week two that he was the worst guard in the NFL. That ain't do nothing but hold true. Andrew Norrell is not as cooked, but just as he sucks as well. I'm willing to give Sam Cosby one more year. But he had a he had a sophomore slump after a promising rookie year. And Charles Leno, I don't know. He just forgot how to fucking play football the last month of the season. I don't know what the fuck happened to him. Um, but this guy over here, number three, he might be better than all the linemen I just named on this on this on this um, Washington Commanders line right now. And that's offensive tackle Darnell Wright from Tennessee. 6'5", 333 pounds, 33-inch arms. We ran a 5.0140. And this guy's game is power. He played right tackle this past season. Um, but I know in his combine interview, he said that he would prefer to play on the left side. And like I said, this is a behemoth of a gentleman. 6'5", 333 pounds. He's already 25 pounds heavier than Charles Leno. I guarantee you he's going to be able to give you more in the run game right now than Charles Leno. And he's not too far off in the pass game. He's not too far off in the pass game. But as I mentioned before, power is his game. He mauls dudes. He's mauls dudes. I forgot what his hand size was, but I'm interested to see that. Because once he puts them big-ass ham hocks inside dudes' shoulder pads, he eliminates them. He eliminates them. Go back and look at his game against Alabama. He won more reps than against Will Anderson than he lost. Way more. And I'm talking way more. It wasn't 50-50. It was more like 80-20. 80-20, Darnell Wright. And this is a guy in Will Anderson Jr. who's going to be arguably a top three pick. This behemoth of a man has played all over the line. As I mentioned, he played right tackle this past year, but he has experience playing the left tackle position as well. 
His technique can get a little funky at times. He is a waistbender, um, and he relies on his athleticism a lot. His technique is poor, to say the least. Um, I know he likes short-setting guys and things like that, but a lot of that is not going to work in the NFL when you got guys who are just as athlete of athletes as you are. But I know we have a pretty good offensive line coach over there um, and Pete Hainer and things like that. So hopefully he can refine it if we do bring in a guy like Darnell Wright. Because as I mentioned, the athletic tools are there. 6'5", 333, moving like a dancing bear, 5.140, 5.0140, excuse me. He was almost at a five-second flat 40. That's nothing to scoff at at that size. And as I told you guys before, to start this episode, film, film, film. I'm a big film junkie. And guess what? He got the film to back it up. Beating the, beating the shit out of Will Anderson, if we if we keeping it frank. And B.J. Ojolari from LSU, who's one of a premier edge washer out of the SEC as well. He won both of those matchups. This is a guy that I said, he'll come in day one and be your starting right tackle, Right? And if you want to keep Charles Leno for a year, you know, have that veteran presence and everything like that, he'll play the right tackle, and guess what? That'll He'll be more than groomed enough to play the left tackle once you cut bait with Charles Leno. Something that I, I wish happened sooner rather than later. He's more than capable of fulfilling that role right now. But if he does play the right side and play that right tackle position and you just so happen to put Sam Cosby over there, that right guard, that it makes for a powerful ass. That makes for a powerful ass right side of a lineup. That makes for a powerful ass right side of a lineup. Boy, do I tell you. Oh, you're going to get a lot of push in the run game with that right side with Cosby and Darnell right over there. Oh, man. Oh, man. Just run behind them. Just run behind them dudes. Excuse my language. <laughs> At number two on my list, we're staying with the offensive tackle position. Bro, Derrick Jones, offensive tackle from the University of Georgia, and this guy's an athletic freak as well. 6'5", 311 pounds. So he's a little lighter than Darnell, right? He has 34-inch arms. And guess what? He ran a sub-540 at 4.97 seconds. This is my favorite tackle in the class. Well, my second favorite tackle. I don't think that Paris Johnson Jr. is going to be there. I think that he's going to be drafted within the top 10. I think that he's offensive tackle number one right now. But I like I like Bro Derrick Jones better than a guy like Pete Skaronsky out of North, Northwestern. You notice he hasn't even made my list. Newsflash, or I'm not here. I'm, I'm here to ruin the surprise. He's not on it. He's not on it. Because with Eric Bieniemy, and with you if you watched the Kansas City Chiefs over the last five years, one thing that you've noticed outside the acceptance of outside the exception of a guy like Orlando Brown is that their linemen are exceptional in space. Look at a guy like Creed Humphrey. Even when they had guys like Eric Fisher and and, um, and Mitchell Schwartz, these guys were exceptional in space. That's why they were so good in the screen game and, and things like that. And guess what? We had linemen that couldn't move in space last year. That's why our screen game was ass. That's why our screen game was ass. And bringing guys like Darnell Wright and even uh, an even better athlete like Bo Derrick Jones, who's still only 21 years old, Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. And you addressing the needs. As I mentioned before, if it's not cornerback, offensive line is the biggest need for the Washington Commanders. And if you notice the trend, those are the only two positions on my list. Newsflash, it's going to be the only two positions on my list. 
Bro, Derek Jones is an athletic freak. He moves very well in space, as I mentioned. Just like an Andy, uh, just like an Eric B enemy lineman is going to need to be. Could you imagine this guy going out, going out for a screen pass, clearing way for Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson? Oh. Or pulling on the counter for Brian Robinson? Watch out. And just as I mentioned before, he can play the right tackle position as well. You want to do this, the, the the scenario that I mentioned with Charles Leno as um as I just mentioned for Donnell Wright, he can slide in the right tackle this year. Whenever you cut bait with Charles, whenever you cut bait with Charles Leno, boom, you have a prime tackle there to take his spot. Or you can draft another left tackle and have a booking two have booking tackles for the next decade. So I don't see this is a win-win scenario for me. I don't see how you can lose selecting one of these elite offensive tackles that I've mentioned today. The reason that bro Derek Jones might still be there at 16, I've heard that he's had some character issues. I'm not a big believer in that, or I'm not a big believer in that unless I hear it. I'm not really going to buy into what a lot of people say that they heard from another dude, from another dude through their cousin, through the grapevine. Nah, I'm not huge on that. But that is one of one of um, you know one of the reasons that um, uh, draft gurus and teams have mentioned that he may slide in the draft and things like that. And also, he's very raw. He's very raw. He only played two years at um, at Georgia uh, full time. He redshirted his freshman year. Then he, he's a redshirt sophomore, so he played his redshirt freshman year and his redshirt sophomore year before coming out. But guess what? They gets him more time in the NFL at twenty one. He's got a lot of time to tap into his prime and things like that. And if you you hey, this is a guy that two contracts in, he'll still only be thirty. He'll still only be 30 and might be in prime for another big contract going into, you know, the final stages of his career. And that's one of the reasons I gave him the slight edge over Darnell Wright. I think he moves a little bit better in space, and he's a little younger. And he's a little younger. And to cap off our list, to finish off episode 78 of the Bleeding B&G podcast, as I mentioned um, before, I'm glad that you guys are rocking with me. Welcome back. I'm back. I'm not going anywhere. My health is back. We're back. We're back. Number one content hub. Everything for Washington Commanders. It's the offseason. Our winning time. Our playoffs. Our Super Bowl. And I can't forget that. So I'm back. But number one on our list is our five favorite prospects for the Washington Commanders at number 16. Is that man. Is that man. Cornerback Christian Gonzalez from the University of Oregon. Six one and three fourths, one hundred ninety seven pounds, four three eight forty, forty one and a half inch vert. This man absolutely smoked the combine. This man absolutely smoked the combine. Those movement skills at six two, and it's everything that I saw on film. Everything that I saw on film. I'm not even gonna lie. He's such a good technician. I thought that he was going to run slower than what he did. Because you know those guys that are real good with their feet and things like that? Then they test. like a, Think of like a Tyron Matthew and things like that. Amazing footwork. But, you know, their instincts and their footwork makes for up for a lot of their top end speed and things like that. I'm not even going to lie. When the reports were coming out that Chris, uh, that uh, Christian Gonzalez was going to run a 4-3 and things like that, I was skeptical. I was skeptical. But, boy, did he prove me wrong. 
And as I mentioned before, it's, it's all about the film. It's all about the film. While I'm skeptical about, you know, Pac-12 DBs because I really haven't seen a good Pac-12 CB since Richard Sherman, he has the film to back it up. He has the athletic profile to back it up. He has the scheme versatility to back it up. The scheme versatility to back it up. This is a guy that can play man. This is a guy that can play zone. This is a guy that can play on the boundary. This is a guy that can play in the slot. You want to know how I know? Because he did it. He gave it to you any which way in, in the Pac-12. Well, you know they're going to throw the ball. Well, you know they're going to throw the ball. And guess what? These A lot of these athletic numbers, the 438, the 41 and a half inch vert, those weren't even my favorite things about Christian Gonzalez this weekend. Go look at him in the on-field drills. That boy's backpedal is crisp. I don't know that too many big big corners at 6'2 they got have feet like that. They don't have to rely on, you know, their length and things like that. They're 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 jam at the line and things like that. I've seen reps on film of Christian Gonzalez playing press man where he didn't even have to lay a hand on the receiver and ran with him stride for stride in their hip pocket. I think he has the potential of being that special of a player. And if you've been tapped into our Twitter. If you've been tapped into our Twitter, you saw our detective work. We bought the magnifying glass out. They call me Stunner Holmes over here sometimes uh, because, you know, they had a picture from Jack Del Rio at the combine that they eventually deleted, cropped out, and um, reproduced the picture with this thing cropped out of it. Um, but in the initial picture, um, it looked like Jack Del Rio had a paper that was folded up with a lot of prospects on it. Uh, and it looked like he had a little, little write-up on a couple of prospects. You know, you know, we hit the zoom in. Shout out to the iPhone 14, you know, iPhone, you know, we hit the zoom in. Um, these iPhones are amazing. You don't miss anything. We put out the magnifying glass and we looked. Go check out our Twitter if you don't know what post I'm talking about. Jack Del Rio seemed to have the longest write-up on Christian Gonzalez. It was like he wrote a whole bio about bro. It looked like he was very intrigued about the performance that Christian Gonzalez was going to put on in Indianapolis. But, hey, I'm just a messenger. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go check out our Twitter, man. Um, because guess what? We're always on top of it over at Bleeding BNG. And as I mentioned before, I'm back. Um, but those are our five favorite prospects for Washington at 16. Um, I'm excited. The draft is a month away. draft is about seven weeks away. We have a lot of fire comment, uh, content coming for you. I want to do film breakdown for all five of these guys that I've mentioned today. Yeah, we're giving out film breakdowns and everything. We're stepping out of our, we're stepping up our content game. Man, give me the 1K. It ain't no reason I've been over here for two years and I ain't been in 1K yet. Give me the 1K. Um, thank you guys for tapping into this page. I mean, thank you guys for tapping into this video. If you haven't already, as I mentioned before, tap into our social medias. Please follow our Instagram. Our Instagram is at bleedingbng. B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G. B-N-G. Our Twitter handle is spelled a tad bit different. That one's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. So there's only one G in our Twitter handle. If you're listening to us audio only on podcast platform only, especially on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to, be sure to leave a rating. Be sure to leave a review. Um, let's finesse these algorithms so that Bleeding BNG is the number one content hub that you, or the number one thing that pops up. When you hit that search bar and you're looking for your Washington Commanders content, 
type in that bleeding BNG. If we finesse these algorithms enough, we're going to be the first thing that pops up. I'm trying to stay relevant up on your timeline, up in your algorithms. I will never leave you guys again. I'm back. I have a lot of more fire content to put out. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast, and I'll check in on you guys later. Peace.